Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. This is a summer special. This special, we're continuing with our Arsenal history theme. Uh, and we're joined by, myself and Trevor, joined by two excellent Arsenal historians, Andy Kelly and Mark uh, Andrews. We're going to look at some of the questions that people want to put to them and some of the questions that Trevor has put together. Uh, and some of the uh, just some of the reading material, some of the, the various very very interesting stuff. We've done a lot of this a couple of summers ago with the guys. We've done a whole series of um, of uh, Arsenal history from eighteen eighty six to twenty twenty. Um, it was really really interesting. I know Mark got a little bit bored once we moved north of the river nineteen thirteen and 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 before was uh, more his speciality. But Andy uh, was great with the the facts and the figures and all about my interest in one was uh, through the war and I like, you know when 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 Highbury got bombed and so on but guys how are you doing Andy how are you mate very well thank you I am liking the um the top what is that top you've got on this is um made by Toffs and it was uh, to celebrate 125 years of Arsenal being in existence um, it's got the Woolwich coat of arms on it um, the color is um unfortunately not quite historically correct Based on um, the nineteen, or the, the the red current shirt that was believed to have been worn in nineteen thirteen, Arsenal's first season uh, at Highbury, but um, that colour didn't actually exist. Yeah, we, we we covered that one. We covered that one as long. Yeah, we got a more modern shirt on on um, um, our man in the dark, um, Mark. How are you, mate? I'm I'm loving the pink. Uh, she wore smiley face, um, bruised banana shirt. How are you doing? Very well, sir. Very well. Oh, Christ. As usual, you're full of conversation and you're going to make this so, so easy for me. Trevor, Trevor, <laughs> Jesus, you know, do you remember this? Do you, do you remember two summers ago? Like, it was like pulling teeth at times. How are you, mate? I'm all right, thanks, mate. But we know that once we get a subject that, that uh, really gets Mark going, we know that he'll, he'll be going in full flow. Um, mate, you've got to start. I love that new intro, by the way, but you have got to um, sort the volumes out because we could hardly hear you talking over it, mate. So if anyone didn't hear what Fergus was saying, this show is all about these two lads, Andy and Mark. Um, wonderful people, great historians, never failed to amaze me. I couldn't have too much time speaking to them. And I just want to thank you, boys, for, for agreeing to come back on and talk to us tonight. I'm sure we're going to have a good evening. Yeah, if, if you do want to check out what the guys are doing, they've got their website, the Arsenal Collection, which has just got everything, programs, memorabilia, some photographs, other publications, and various, various books. And just it's just a, it's a labyrinth of information. And to, to be honest, Trev, you know, there are some other websites that some people take on their phone into private spaces. But I think the Arsenal Collection is your your special website, isn't it? Yeah, undoubtedly it is, mate. I've said it before and I'll say it again for those that haven't heard me say it. Have a look on that website. It used to be the Arsenal history, didn't it? But now it's the Arsenal collection. But don't have a look at it if you've only got a few minutes to spare because it sort of leads you in. One part of it leads you into thinking about something else. So you look at that and then you move into something else and then a result crops up and you think, who scored that goal in that game then? And you can go and have a look at that. And before you know it, a couple of hours has gone. It's, it's such... For Arsenal fans, that I've never seen a more interesting website. And that includes Arsenal's own one, with the greatest respect to Arsenal, our great Arsenal football club. And and some people do use lesser publications to try and have their argument on Twitter, which uh, we all, all four of us witnessed today, some Nottingham Forest 
absolute melon trying to make a fool of himself. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that one, actually. That's one of the questions that we've got for later on. Um, Andy, Mark, you've done a few books. I've got one, two, three, four or five books at least that you guys have done. Um, let's take a couple of minutes just to quickly talk over them. I've got one right here. Uh, that's yours, Mark, The Royal Arsenal, which is oh. this one here. So uh, it's clearly pre-1913. It's in the Woolwich, uh, Woolwich Arsenal sort of time. Talk to us about that one. No, it's in the Royal Arsenal times because that's what the title is. <laughs> here he goes. <laughs> it's, only, it's only taking you four minutes. Four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's me, Andy and Tim Stillman. Um, we wrote it, and it, it took me, me and Andy wrote most of it, and Tim edited it because we wanted a slightly different angle on certain um, certain bits of writing. We wanted to sort of see a different a sort of different slant on some things because um, we wanted to sort of I don't know make it a bit different. Oh yeah, I mean it's basically Arsenal 1886 and 19, so 1893. And and Andy, there's another one which uh, I know I said I was going to bring up last, but I'll bring it up uh, probably next. Uh, it's the one that Trevor referred to. Like he, he'll look up in a book, and uh, he, he it's the Arsenal, uh, the complete record, and it's 1886 to 2018. Despite all the lobbying that Trevor has done, podcast after podcast after podcast to try and bring it up to date. Hopefully, yeah, maybe you can give us some news on that. Uh, talk to us about this book. Uh, yeah, that's a book that. Certain people have been saying that I should have written for you know over the last 30 years, uh, people that have known me that long, and we finally got around to doing it. So, like 2016, we, we thought you know, someone suggested the idea and pushed us into it. Um, uh, it's mainly, um, it's not mainly, sorry, it's, it's not mainly, there's there's a lot of historic uh, statistical um records in there, so it's lo full of lineups and then. You know how many games we've played against other teams, how many games certain or every player that's played for Arsenal has played. But there, there's a lot of uh, text in there as well, but now right up of each season and biographies of, of uh, the hundred and odd best players that we've had and managers. So there's a lot of text in there as well. Um, we've been trying to push to update it, but there's a bit of an issue with the publisher. Mm. So uh, we might have to look at a different angle to to get a, a revised. I mean, it's been five years now. Mm. So uh, if if we could do one, it, it would be nice to get one that covers the you know the forthcoming season and and sort would it, it out. Would it be worth considering that. maybe doing vo part two or volume two so you could have a dip with a different publisher? <sighs> um, we, we need to talk to the the other chap we wrote it with, Josh Jamesy, um, mm -hmm. the deputy program editor at Arsenal. Um, okay. Yeah, we'd certainly love to do. There's there's a few things in there that we, a few minor corrections uh, that we need to make in there. Yeah, I've uh, noticed. But, those. Or, sorry, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice Peter Nicholas? I, I've only noticed the ones you boys told me about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean most what, of them are silly, silly little things like where. Um, we found out certain goals were scored. They were actually scored as penalties, and some that were noted as penalties weren't actually penalties. How, how far are you, how far back are you talking about then? When you, you were saying some of these errors, these are these are like probably people wouldn't be alive to remember it. Uh, am I right? Uh, I know there's there's some that are in living memory. Yeah, okay. There's some, yeah. there's some there's some very contemporary. Well, there's one very contemporary one. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Go on then. Yeah. Enlighten us. 
Is it Peter Nicholas? You think of, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a bit, yeah. So what happened with Peter Nicholas then? Yeah. Well, um, so it, it's in the list of um, Arsenal Players of the Year. And for 1984, it's given as Peter Nicholas instead of Charlie Nicholas. Ah, oh, okay. That's, so that's, that's, listen, that's a mistake I'd make. Yeah. yeah and and we, we know why... But I can't remember what it was at the moment. It is it, it actually it has it Peter Nicholas in some publication somewhere. Yeah, well, I've I've seen where it is it, and um, it's etched in stone at one point. Oh, okay. There, there, there's, a, there's a couple of other books which, again, uh, go back to the Woolwich sort of time. You're looking at Woolwich, Arsenal Football Club, 1893 to 1915, the club that changed football. Um, that's one done by, uh, oh, not that one, uh, this one here, the club that changed football. That's done by both of you guys and Tony Atwood as well. Um, why did it change football then, Mark? Um, it's a bit of a marketing thing. Okay. <laughs> well, the point was we the first Southern club, weren't we, to be in the league? So yeah. that that was that was the that was the you know the, the prima facie reason for putting that in. Yeah, to we, be honest, that must have been a massive change to football in those days. The, the first Southern club, it it. it it changed the whole ethos of the league, didn't it? All these journeys had to be made. People had to come down and visit us. And, uh, yeah, so it did change football massively, I think. Uh, Fergus, if you don't mind, I just want to um, I say this with, with a little grin on my face. Um, Andy, when it comes to listing players in alphabetical order, Havertz fitted in very nicely, didn't he? That wasn't a problem Perfect, at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Straight after, straight after Haverty, isn't it? That's it, yeah. Right? Not difficult, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> and and the last book is is a book we talked about. Um, and I actually had read a couple of extracts. I don't read very much. I like to watch videos and stuff like that. But uh, it was the um, the the crowd at Woolwich Arsenal FC. And um, I remember when we done around the time of the Invicta Stadium and the Manor Ground and all that sort of time. I asked uh, a question of uh, you guys, and I said, "Men paid three pence to get in." Boys paid two pence and women got in for free. And I said, oh, so that's because it was mostly a male-dominated sport and that women didn't. But you, um, I think it was you, Andy, that came along and, and explained that, you know, it was very much a high society uh, event. Well, it's probably more likely to have been Mark because that's his book and that that's what he would have, that's what he picked up he, on. He, 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 he never says more than like three words. He never says full yeah, sentence, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. No. <laughs> well, what, what happened with the Invicta? The start of the start of Invicta eighteen ninety um, was that um, it, it was a society thing. So the papers all said about forty percent of women went to games for quite a while, um, but generally, as it became more of a you know the winter turned up and everything, more men went. But women still did go. I mean, there there, there was quite a fair representation of women all the way through since when Arsenal started. Um, mm. Yeah, there's quite often references to um, the, the mud uh, on the terracing and stuff, of, you know, destroying women's dresses and stuff because it was that it was that bad and that deep. Um, but actually, I would say on the on the on the crowd, I'm talking with the publisher to get that reprinted with a different cover 
um, and some other little bits and pieces in it. Um, so I'm in, I'm talking with legends on that. Oh, brilliant! No, it's it, you know what they, they, as I said, I'm not a big reader, but these books and some of this information that I've got from you guys, I just just always found really interesting and and, and really fascinating. Some of the stuff, and I, I I I'm forever sitting in a pub somewhere talking to somebody, or even through work and stuff, and talking about Arsenal. I end up reciting little pieces that we've got. Um, I suppose uh, 2023-24 season, our new Arsenal shirt has got gold on it. It would have been nice if that's because we had um, won the league and then we we're celebrating and having the gold patches and gold badges. We, we came very close, but I don't think that's what was originally intended in the design. It was to commemorate the um, the Invincible season. Um, Andy, what was what was your view on the Invincible season? Because nobody... OK, Preston North End done it with a completely different league, completely different format, but the Premier League and the format that we're in, the Invincible season was was a feat and a half. What's, what, what's your view on that? Um, well, yeah, I completely agree. It's you know, uh, a, a much better thing than what Preston did. It's a, a much longer season for a start. So uh, I'm not sure if Preston went in the following season with 16 games undefeated from the start, which would have been the same length as ours but um i mean the, the team then it, it just seemed to be the most perfect set of players that you could get together um and, and then they all knew each other and i don't know they, they all just seemed to click they all came they were all at the right age most of them burkamp was probably a little bit older uh than, than being in his prime but uh, you know there's all them players all at the right age and they all complemented each other and there was the odd player that would, you know, would drop out. Say um, Ashley Cole would, was injured. Gal Clichy came in, and he did a fantastic job for him. Yeah. So you know, it 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 had taken Wenger several years, but I I think that with Wenger he uh, he won too much too early. So he, he won, you know, he really Arsenal were in a transition stage when he took over, and he won the double in his second season. And the transition, which should have taken four or five years, happened very sort of very quickly but then 98 was when the transition really started so it was like five six years after that when he got all them players together um, what, and, what, and it was lovely think... watching them as well it was fantastic watching them though some of the you know Henri and Bergkamp and Perez and Vieira the way they interacted with, with each other it's like they were all you know psychic and they knew exactly where each other was going to be mm. Andy, you said you said about the um, Wenger almost peaked too soon, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, but why was that? Was that because of the foundation that was laid in before with him with with George Graham? I think so. Yeah, I mean he had a fantastic defence well. he came in with, um, and he you know the, the players that he brought in uh, in that first summer of '97 were you know he, he brought in some of the you know some players that would were, were fitted into the gaps that needed to be fitted fitted into. Um, and I don't want to say they were lucky because towards the end of the season, they again, they, they gelled just right and they all came together and they all, they all hit top form at the same time at the end of 97, 98. But then if you look after that, we, you know, we constantly finished second behind Manchester United. Um, so that, but that was the, when the transition really should have had been happening. But like I say, he had a, an exceptional 97, 98 season. Mm-hmm. Mark, what, what's your view on the invincible season? Same as Andy's, really. Not much, you know, not much you can add to it, really, is there? But the one thing I would say, we, I know we were going about when we, well, I said, did say this before, is 
you said about whether Wenger was a great manager, and I don't, I wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of his after a while. But if you, if no other club within twenty years does the, does the same thing, and he will be treated, he will be seen as a great manager, even by other clubs as well, because what he did in that season was, well, it was remarkable, wasn't it? Really, what the club did in the season was remarkable. Go through yeah, it. In, in modern football, to not to not lose a game, okay, it's only a trophy. It's only the same as a okay, it was gold, but it's only it's only a league, isn't it? They could have lost ten games to won it, type thing. But to, well, to, in, to in theory, if they won ten, if they lost ten games, there's no way they were winning that because even Fergie no. said uh, five, five. I I get your point. I get you your know point. what I mean. It's, it's only yeah, a trophy. Yeah. It's only one. It's only one league trophy. So Ferguson won thirteen. Right. We're oh. struggling with your connection at the minute, or is it mine? I think it's yours, Ferg. Okay, all right. Okay, carry on then. Yeah, um, um, Trev, you, yeah. let me see if I can get my connection going, and uh, you go with the next one. Yeah, just before we move on, I always have to give five seconds to the fact that the Invincibles wouldn't nearly happen in 1991. People forget how good our 1991 side yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic team of young people, and Injuries cost them in the end. We lost the game at Chelsea and it was the only game we lost the season. As for the invincible season, we you know, we mentioned Ferguson and it's interesting because Ferguson says himself that he rates that achievement extremely highly, you know, and 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 coming from that man, that they're great words. But yeah, what a fantastic season. So right, talking about great players and uh, and great seasons. Either, either in your either in your lifetime, boys, or people that you've read about or you've statistically seen. Who's your best player that's ever played for the Arsenal? Do you think? You go, Mark. You go first. Go on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Why? He's <laughs> a good player. <laughs> Not much more you can say. Really, I mean, so it, it, the, the, the quality he had. The ability to drift and to, you know he played balls through different angles. No one else could see could see that, and a lot, a lot of times no one else could see what he was doing. And then all of a sudden he did it. Yeah, oh, and Fergus has gone. Yeah, he'll be back. Yeah, he, he, he probably just. Yeah, no, but, I, I, I mean, you know, it's a toss up for modern between Bergkamp and Henry, isn't it? But I think Bergkamp was a better player. Yeah. I, um, I, I, people also forget that that, that Bergkamp, Bergkamp was an amazing player, and he also had a bit of a nasty streak in him when he needed to use it, didn't he? Oh yeah, he didn't yeah. 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 What about you yeah. then, Andy? I would go with Henri. Yeah, because uh, I think he just had um, he had the consistency. You know, he was uh, until he you know, like the injuries towards the and the, and the towards the end of his time at Arsenal. And once he started uh, scoring, you know, in, was it 99, 2000, wasn't it? He had a bit yeah. of a slow start, but then he started scoring and he just didn't stop. It just went on and on and on. Mm. And the quality of the goals was absolutely fantastic. Some of the things, I can remember one he scored against um, Chelsea where he was clean through against Cudicini and he's running at him. And then he's done a, a 360 to spin around to get himself past Cudicini and you know, he's got an empty net there. And, you know, that sitting in the in the North Bank watching that, he's just like ended up going, what did he just do there? Yeah. You know? 
but historically, I would, you know, obviously we didn't see him play, but I would go with Alex James just through the, the amount that I've read about him, um, not just in recent history books, but in contemporary um, articles in newspapers and that. And, you know, what other former players have said about him, Alex James must have been an absolute, you know, fantastic player. For, for his time, yeah. So you, yeah. we're so lucky in our great club that there's so many names we could say in there, and and no one could really argue it. You know, you can you can make a point for all of them. I mean, if you look back at, or think back on Thierry Henry's goals, I can't think of a boring one. And even when he didn't, even when he wasn't scoring goals, he was making people like Danny Mills look an idiot by the corner flag. You know, just <laughs> just an amazing player, but. I'll, I'll say mine first, and uh, and then we'll ask Fergus. But I'm with I'm with Mark. I am. I, I go for Bergkamp. I do. I just, I just the time he had to play the game and the skills he had, and he was another one he never scored for his first few games. It was it was in the newspapers yeah. that we'd wasted our money buying mm. Dennis Bergkamp, and that wasn't newspaper reports. There were some top players and managers saying that we, we'd wasted our money, and oh my god, how wrong they were because he, he was just sublime to watch, sublime to watch. What about you, Ferg? Uh, well, I can't go for the hand of frog, Thierry Henry, as much as I think he's absolutely fantastic. But like you know, it's 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 Irish law, and I'll be banished by all the leprechauns and and fairies and everything else down the bottom of the garden. Um, so <laughs> I probably I, I I probably would say uh, Burkamp because I've just as you know I I was a later comer to, to to watching football, so I didn't see the likes of Brady. I saw Brady play for 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 Ireland. I saw lots of lots of people play for Ireland in, in the past. But in an Arsenal shirt, uh, I, I'd probably have to say uh, Dennis Burkham. But you know what? There's a few coming up on the radar right now. You got Saka, you got Odegaard, even Saliba, and and Martinelli. Uh, you know Zinchenko as well, just because of his heart and passion. Um, there's a few in this this current crop. Uh, that could end up being uh, players that that we'll all look back on very, very, very fondly. Um, if you would think back on on managers, um, uh, uh, Mark, um, and knowing the history that you know, going right back to eighteen eighty six, who would you say the greatest ever Arsenal manager was? Chapman. Chapman, why? Uh, I've said it before because he he basically kept the club going even after he died. Um, we carried on winning for what. Um, almost twenty years after he died, basically, he um, he instituted a way of playing, and he had a boot room, and they, and the, it just it just went on. So there was him, Shaw, Allison, Whitaker, um, and carried on playing the same way after he had set it up, um, which is something that you didn't get with the person Andy's probably going to say. Andy, clearly um, Mark knows you well enough to know that it's not Chapman for you. I would, I would actually say Chapman. Because you will of, say Chapman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 He'd done that on purpose, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... So what, yeah. why why Chapman for you then? And aside from Chapman, answer answer that bit first. And aside from Chapman, who would you then then put into that? Looking at the whole history of the the, the club over nearly 150 years. Okay, when when you look at what what Arsenal had done before Chapman came along, uh, I think the highest position they finished in the league was ninth. Yeah, and the season before he he took charge at Arsenal, 
Arsenal finished one one place above the relegation zone. Okay, he came in, he made one signing, and Arsenal spent a lot of time at the top of the table that season, his first season, and ended up finishing second. And so he completely transformed that team overnight with just one signing. Although there were a couple of others towards the end of the season. But then, as Mark, yeah, as Mark said, he, he started to put in place, he, he started bringing in players at the, at the right time. And, in, and he wasn't going out and big in, playing, buying all the big stars. He did, he did for one or two of them, uh, James and um, David Jack. But he went down and he, he bought a lot of players from lower leagues and from non-league. And he, could, he had an eye for a player. You know, he bought um, Eddie Hapgood from Kettering and George Mal from Clapton. And throughout the whole of the 1930s, they played virtually every game as the two fullbacks and both of them captained England. So he had, a, he had the eye for, an eye for a player and he, he perfect, perfected this WM system that they keep banging on about Pep Guardiola playing. He perfected it in the 1930s. And as Mark said, he, he put in place a backroom staff that kept, that kept the club winning up until the, the early 1950s, 20 years after he died. And then if after him, I would put actually put George Graham because George Graham did something almost similar to, um, to Chapman in that he came in and he took a team that was going absolutely nowhere. They won the FA Cup in 79 and not won anything since 1971. And there was... There were a lot of players there that uh, was very clicky and a lot of players who had big egos and he got rid of all of them and he brought in, again, players from lower leagues, Dixon, Bold, uh, and, and, and he, he got them all to play. And, and I think that's what Arteta has been doing over the last couple of seasons as well, is, is bringing, in, bringing in players that are not necessarily big egos, but the right sort of players that he can mould and manipulate into playing for him. And George Graham, that's what George Graham did. And, you know, you look at his record of what he did in his nine years at Arsenal. And uh, it's, it's fantastic. In the chat, we got uh, Kevin Treese, which Trevor brought up a few minutes ago after Chapman. He'd give a shout out for George Graham, as you said, uh, Wenger. And Mark, what's your view on Bertie Mee? Love him. Expand. <laughs> Jesus. We won a double. We won a double with him, mate. We won the first double, which I think, which I think, if you're going to ask a question, is what the best trophy is. Um, that for me is the best because it came absolutely. I mean, okay, we won the first cup, we beat before, but it came absolutely out of nothing that we won the double. It came, it, there was no indication that we were going to win everything, and we did. I've gone. You, you, you haven't you haven't said who you'd rate as your best manager, and, and then you can expand on the trophy side of things. Well, for, for me, I, I'm with the boys. It's Chapman for me. And just to sum it up quickly for me, I think that without Chapman, nothing else follows, you know. Mm. So we've all got to be thankful to Chapman for what he put in place, the stadium, the facilities. that the, A stadium that was built, um, when was it? When was, when was the Eastern West Stand built, boys? 1930? A stadium that was built in 1932 was still good enough to attract players in the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s. It was that good, you know. They were so far ahead of themselves. Mm. So Chapman, for me, is is the man that got got the ball rolling, that made the Arsenal the Arsenal. 
I have a lot of time for all the others that Kevin named there. And I can't argue with what Andy says about George Graham. George Graham took a side that was that was going nowhere. Yeah. And it was full of full of prima donnas, really, Andy, for want of a better yeah. phrase. Um, and and he got rid of them and he and he, he moulded a team that was that turned out to be a superb football team. And it very much reminds me of what Arteta is doing at the moment. You know, I think Arteta's done that sort of done the same thing and now we hopefully fingers crossed this season we start to reap the rewards from his work so for me i'm with the boys chapman without chapman the arsenal's not the arsenal for me but um all right moving on then fergus wants me to ask the next question of all of all the trophies we've won maybe it doesn't have to be a trophy but, but what in your eyes is, is the club's greatest achievement mark do you want to say your couple of words first mate and they're, they're... We'll get an answer off of Andy. Yeah, it won't be more than two. <laughs> <laughs> What's our greatest achievement then, Mark? Come on. Is it a trophy? Oh. Or is it something else? Um, it depends, doesn't it? As I said, if if no one else does go through a season without um, without losing, then you have to say 2003-2004 league. You have to. Because no one, no one else has done it. But if someone else does it, then it devalues the the, the, the currency to a point. Um, but my f- well, my favourite was '79 FA Cup. To be honest, um, why why is that? It just makes me ask a bit. You mentioning that because <laughs> 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 we, we scored in the last minute, <laughs> and we thought we we all thought we'd load it. We're all sitting there crying, thinking what's going on, and then then. Big L turned up and and scored, but and also seventy the seventy one double was just phenomenal when you actually read about it. it was you know, it's up. really interesting, right? Because I was at that game, the seventy nine final, right, and I didn't see the winning goal go in. What I was really? Still, I was still sat on my backside sulking from them scoring the two the equaliser. <laughs> I was gutted. I was only I was only seventeen. I'd had two beers and I was feeling a bit tipsy, I suppose. And when their second goal went in, and my head went in my hands, and my head went down, and I, I, when I looked up, Alessandro was slotting the ball in the net again, you know. And yeah. we're all happy again. Wonderful day, wonderful day. Andy, so what, Andy, what, 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 you, Andy? What, 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 your, what's your greatest achievement, trophy, whatever? It's here. You can't quite see all of it. It looks like a Jackson Pollock, but it's a pass map of every guy, every pass in the. Anfield game, 89 Anfield. So for me, that that was the greatest because, you know, to go to Anfield and win 2-0 where they hadn't lost 2-0 at home for years uh, and, and beat Liverpool, who had won the league year in, year out throughout the 70s and the 80s. And, they, and that time as well, they, that was probably their best team. You know, they had you know, Barnes in there and I can't remember who the rest of them were. But it, it was like a, it was a, um, one yeah, one minute. one minute, yeah. But it was a really solid team that they had. And they only won the league once. They won the league the following season. But I think that what what, what we did there was the end for them. Mm. It, yeah. it killed off that that, um, that, uh, that, that that era that they had. 
Uh, what are one of the things that you guys uh, do, as well as write a lot of books and everything else? But one of the ones, a book that you did write was the Arsenal Match Day program. You were, uh, wrote it in association with Arsenal, I believe. If correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but if we were to look at um, programs, what's the what's the most valuable or what match program that you have or that you've seen? Or, I'm uh, getting on with you now. I'm getting a right on with you now. <laughs> I'm getting a proper on with you now. Because you've got to ask me these questions as well, you know. Come on, then. I'm learning off these boys all the time. I'm going into a sulk. If you're not careful, Ferg, I'm going into a full-on sulk. Toys out of the pram a lot. Go on. Answer, then. Well, you're asking me, are you? Well, I asked another question, but you want to rewind. I'll ask, I'll ask Trev, what's your favourite trophy that we've won? Thank, Thank you, you very much, Andy, for that. Thank you very much indeed, sir. <laughs> Once again, we're, we're we're lucky in that we can, as we just have, name a few and you can't argue against any of them. But I think that, uh, as Mark said, the Invincibles, 49 games undefeated, was something that is unlikely to be equaled for however long we know. That was It was a fantastic achievement. Um, we were at times we played against 12 men, and in the end, it was the 12th man that beat us in the 50th game, wasn't it? And yeah. I don't care who quotes me on that, I, I will believe till the end of my days that it was the 12th man that beat us in that 50th game of the unbeaten run. So that for me is great. The 79 final was wonderful, but the one I remember most of all was the 71 final when I, I, I was only nine years old, and I can, I can remember Liverpool scored, and we, I was sat in front of the telly, and my dad said to me, that, that's it done now, son. This Liverpool side's too good now. Extra time, we're 1-0 one one down. That's it. It's all over. It's done. And I went, oh, no, Dad. And I was nearly in tears. And then bang, bang, we're in 2-1. Charlie's forever my hero, you know? So, <laughs> lucky. Wonderful times we can talk about. Plenty of them. Now, Trev, mm-hmm. you've sent me the, the, the programme for my first ever game I attended to. Uh, you've uh, got the one from your one. You've got collections of... Uh, years and years of programs, and you use this guy, these guys' uh, website as a, a fantastic reference and point. The question I asked before was rudely interrupted by by, by my learned friend, as they say. Um, uh, Andy, um, what's the the most valuable match program that you know of, and what one do you have um, that you deem as or you know is the most valuable um, Arsenal program? Uh, well, it's, it's a difficult one because I know some that exist that have probably not been sold on the open market, so and they're very incredibly rare. So it's hard to, to know what the value of them is. So there's there's one I know of that's a game against an Israel, played against Israel in Israel in the mid 60s, and I only know of one that exists. So amongst collectors, that must be, you know, almost priceless. In mm. fact, I've, I've, I know the person who's got a copy of it. Um, but as for those that have been sold, there's um, the 1968. It wasn't really an Arsenal one. It was it was a game at Arsenal. It's a 1968 European Cup final replay between Man United and Benfica. So they printed they they printed some programs, or they printed the programs in anticipation of it going to a replay, but it didn't. And so the printer then pulped all of the programs bar two and um the the print one of the people who worked at the printers he kept hold of it or kept hold of them and he gave them to a friend of his called john daniels who's a quite a well-known arsenal uh, 
program, uh, he, he buys and sells programs. And he kept them in a drawer for years and years and years. And I, I'm not sure if one or both of them have, have come onto the open market, but one of them sold for about £6,000 a few years back. But it's not not even a, a proper program. It's what it is. Imagine that you've got a 16 page program and it's all printed on a great big sheet front and back. Uh, and then what they do is they get a machine that folds it all up into the correct order. And then, and then they guillotine the edges to, to make it into a program. And the, the guy that I know that's got it has got this this sheet. Got of, the uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's the printer's proof of it. And, um, and there's one that there's one that you shared with me as well that you've got from more modern times, 21, 22. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, um, it's not even, it's not even a full program. It's just the cover of the program. It's for the Carabao cup, uh, semi-final against Liverpool where it was postponed. I think we had a, a a COVID issue again, didn't we? Yeah. Um, postponed the game, and so um, um, the they had the the covers um, made up, ready for the program because they they like to get that before they get all the content together. And uh, the club got a load of these printed, and and again they're on big sheets with four four of these front and rear front and back pages together on on the on the page. Uh, and they had them printed out, and so I've got, I've got I actually still got a sheet of them, but I've got some of them, and I, I chopped them up and put one on eBay for charity, and it, it sold for about two hundred and seventy-five pounds. Oh wow! And but, I can see on the, on the front of this, it, it, I know it's, it's it's Liverpool versus Arsenal, but there's Arsenal Man City in there. Is is that an error on there? Or is that just? No, that's from the previous game, and it's okay. it's an unu- it's an unusual picture to have on the front of an Arsenal program because it's a, a defeat. And they tend not to put, you know, even if we've lost the previous game, they'll they'll find a, a, a game within, you know, two or three games before where they'll put um, a non-defeat on it as the picture on the front of the programme. Yeah, or it would just be the last player, wouldn't it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And talk to us a bit about that book then, Mark, that you've done, uh, the, 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 the programme book. The... So this, well, this one here. Arsenal, Arsenal published it as, um, well, in one, I can't remember which season it was, um, we wrote quite a few articles, well, a lot of articles, on specific styles of programmes. Um, I mean, to be fair, Andy wrote virtually all of them. Um, and Andy, actually, the Arsenal programme manager, editor, um, basically put, just put them into a book um, and then just, you know, chop, chop, chop and changed it. Um, but it is it is very very rare um, in that it was on sale I think for a day or two and then it sold out and they, did, they didn't reprint it so I mean it was Andy's Andy did it, did the work Andy actually did the work for it to set it up but the original writing was by ourselves and then he you know top and tailed it and, and put it put it all together. Trev, you're an avid collector of programmes. I've uh, witnessed them hanging out of door cupboards. The ever-suffering, uh, lovely Donna has to step over them, climb round them. Nancy sleeps among them. What's your favourite one? Oh, my Lordy. Do you know what's funny? Because I was only pulled up by these two boys last week because I don't know why we started talking about it, but we talked about the 1971 FA Cup final programme. And I said, yeah, I've got that one. A lot of people have got it. And they went, ah, you do know there's two different ones, don't you? And I didn't, so I've had to go out and hunt down the other one. So I've added that 
I thought, right, I've got that now. I've got two of those. And before I could breathe again, they should be, ah, oh, and 1980, you know, there's some different ones to that as well. So I've just hunted that one down as well. So I haven't got a favourite programme, Fergus. I've got thousands of programmes. And uh, I still, just every now and again, I'll go in a filing cabinet and pull handful out and flick through them. And uh, I, I must admit that I, I prefer the older programmes mainly because they're easier to collect because they're they, they stories, yeah, that, they, you know, what you can get two programmes from the current time in, in a folder, you'll get a whole season in the past. Yeah. So I tend to collect anything before the year 2000. I, I don't go past that because I just have, wouldn't have the space to store them. Um, but I haven't got a favourite, mate, really. I just, I just love collecting programmes and they make me smile. I read every single programme in my collection I have read. Every single one, and I, 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 I'm disappointed because I thought it was going to be the uh, Everton away 1955 um, uh, game because I bought you the program when I was up with Dan up at uh, Gleason yeah. for a birthday. I bought it for you for my birthday. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't going to disappoint you, but I already had that one, mate. So you know, <laughs> I want the tenor back. <laughs> I, I didn't already have it, mate, and it was a pleasure to put it in the 1955 folder and uh read through it and uh yeah so yeah okay that's my favorite ever 1955 away yeah brilliant program <laughs> lads um memorabilia is a big thing uh you know anything from you know what i've got up here which is signed by arsene wenger and uh, Llewellyn, the, the wenger print and uh i know um where the the original home is and and some of this stuff goes for fortunes um Mark, what, what's your view on memorabilia? What sort of memorabilia do you like collecting, if any? And uh, what's your favourite piece, if you've got it? Um, yeah, no, I, I, haven't, I haven't got a huge amount. Um, my favourite piece is the 1913 um, block drawing of Woolwich Arsenal moving to um, Ivory, um, which I think I worked out. I did work out. Um, it's stamped by the council in um, June. I think June the sixteenth. It's got a stamp on it, like you know, the old stamps they put on the on the stuff like that. Um, and it's from it's from Archibald Leach's um, sort of his, his practice. Who the, the the architect who designed it is that is that for for, for this stand? No. Um, yes. That yes. was so. Yes and yes, but but it wasn't actually built until later, was it, Andy? So. They, it, it wasn't finished, was it? It was. It was. Yeah, it wasn't finished. Yeah. It, it, it started. So yeah, it's that. It's that pink. Yeah, it's it's the grandstand shown there. Um, okay. But it wasn't sort of finished for a year or two after they moved in. Um, the other side of that, the other side of that plan, I find really interesting. In that, it, it, further up, it's not in that picture, unfortunately. But where the road narrows on the west side of the ground, you'd have never thought they'd have got that amazing standing on that side, would you? No, 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 no. yeah. Clever yeah. work took place to squeeze that stand in there. Yeah. Fergus, got, got, that, that picture, have you got the, the, the that Mark sent you, the, the block of the uh, of Highbury in, in 1913? Have you got the, the, the whole of the picture? Because a little I bit have. further up, there's a bit that was... So if you have a look... Um, if you look at the brown bits, there's a bit of brown that goes in between some houses on the yes, uh, on Avenel Road, no Gillespie Road, yeah, is that, it? Uh, yeah, it's in Gillespie Road, so it's pretty much opposite um, the tube station 
which is where yeah. the, there's an entrance. The, the entrance still exists there. So yeah. Arsenal actually had to buy a couple of houses um, to, to form that entrance. So that, that, there used to be a ter the terrace went all the way along. But to get to that part of the ground, Arsenal actually had to buy two houses. Um, and correct me if my memory isn't failing me, but what Trevor talks about the 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 West Stand as as it uh, existed uh, on Highbury Hillside, um, yeah. didn't you say that they had to sand, uh, that they had to uh, um, support all the guards because it was uh, an inclination, or there was there was like you know a mound that they had to do to try and support they didn't fall in on the the other houses? Is is that well, the case? What happened was it wasn't too long. It was the, towards the end of the first season they were there, and so they built a, a wall to separate them from the the gardens in them houses. And um, one evening there was like a, a huge downpour, and what it did was it um, it washed away all of the what the supporting material were earth on on the on the opposite on the um, yeah on the garden side of the wall and okay. what they had to do was uh, that and they arsenal them the directors themselves decided to close the ground themselves they were due to play the following day i think and they mm -hmm. risked the wrath of the football league for postponing a game without notice um and basically what they did was they got a load of laborers in and they they just shoveled a load of dirt from the garden side over into the uh, into Dan side to sort of like and, and push the wall back a bit mm. to, to, to support it. Yeah, I, I remember you, you, when we were talking about moving to Highbury and stuff. You, you mentioned it before, so see, some of it does stick in there. You know, it, it does. Good, it yeah. does work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there was a couple of bits of memorabilia that you shared with me, Andy. Uh, there was one, the Arsenal nineteen fourteen fifteen nineteen fourteen fifteen handbook. Do you want to talk to us about this? Um, yeah, this is something that I bought in the late 90s. I've, I've got a thing about Arsenal handbooks. I'm missing just, well, I'd like to think I'm missing just two of them. There may be some before this, but this is um, recognised as being the first Arsenal handbook. Uh, and it's um, written by George Allison. And it's it's a fantastic um, little little handbook. It's uh, it's a bit hard to, to explain it on a screen, but I suppose it's probably about four or five inches, 10, 15 centimetres high and about three or four inches wide. It's well over 100 pages in there and it's in fantastic condition apart from the, the cover has come loose. But on every other page, there's a, a photograph of a director or a player or a member of the, the backroom staff um, and then there's a write-up on them, and there's a history of the club, and it's it's actually on the Arsenal Collection website, um, so you can go and have a look at it, and it, you know, you just look through it, and it's it's just wonderful reading it as well. Reading how, about how long? How long have you had it? I think I paid about 100. I thought, yeah, I remember I paid 150 quid for it. Oh, it wow! One one went for about 1500 quid a few years ago at auction. So it's probably worth even more than that. It, it, what, what would you say that the most expensive piece of memorabilia out there is? From what I've seen, I've seen uh, Peter Story's double winning medals, the league and uh, FA Cup winning medals. Here we go. They were on Grand Bud, uh, Grand Bud's auction. Uh, Grand Bud has got always gets some 
absolutely fantastic um, items. Him and um, Sporting Gold are the two main auction houses. Those two medals there, they went for £28,000. Uh, and I, I'm not sure, I can't think of it. I can't think of it. For more than that. I've seen some shirts go for, for about £20,000, match on shirts from the, the 30s. But, um, you know, £28,000 is, is a hell of a lot. Trevor, twenty-eight grand is nothing. It's just a drop in the ocean to you. You know, is that a bit you? Do you know what, mate? And and I say this with, with, with there's no joviality in this. I say it with the most sincerity. If I was in a position where I could spend twenty-eight grand and not miss it, I would have bought their medals. And do you know what I'd have done with them? I'd have given them straight back to Peter Story <laughs> because I don't know why I'm speculating. I may be wrong, but there'll be a reason that man sold them medals, medals, and I wouldn't have wanted them. I wouldn't have wanted him to be without him. And I say it with utmost sincerity and seriousness. If I'd have had 28 grand sitting in the bank that I could do without, I'd have bought them and given them back to him, mate. Mm. Yeah. yeah. No, I I understand that because there's many a story they've talked about. They've talked about um, Kenny Sampson, I think, about sell, selling uh, medals and caps and, and, and various bits and pieces. Um, that, that, happened, sorry, that happened with a, a lot of players because you've got to remember before the 1990s, these players weren't earning much more the, than URI. I know. I remember reading an article about uh, about Lee Dixon when he joined Arsenal, and Ian Allenson as well. They said they couldn't believe the price of houses when they came down south, and they were worried that you know they couldn't actually afford to live down here. And you think about now, you know, players are getting multi-million pound signing on fees, and then hundred grand a week, and you know. And, and Lee Dixon, you know, he, he signed in the late in 1988, was it? Yeah. But it wasn't I'm, like a long time before the Premier League started. And he was worried about not being able to afford to live in, in London. I'm, I'm friends with, a, with a, an ex-professional footballer, played at Millwall, Rangers, Southampton, <laughs> Fulham. I'm sure you can figure out who I'm talking about. Um, a proper bruiser. And uh, I've, I've spoken to him and, and I know the sort of money that they were on. Yeah, they were on good money for the day, but not on this ridiculous money that, that like players are on now. I, and, and you talk about mortgages and, and prices of houses. I've been fortunate enough to be able to see. Is it me or is it you? I'm here. I'm still here. Yeah. Okay. Who, who is this? Who is this player you know, Fergus? Uh, Millwall, the, the, Terry Herlock. Oh, didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 he, he, he played a couple of non-league teams before, didn't he? He's played for quite a few a few teams, and and it was just interesting. Like I, the, the time I sat, I've, I've met him quite a, a number of times. He's a really good guy. But the time I sat and had the best conversation with Mever was Arsenal were playing Chelsea in a pre-season friendly in the Birdcage just after the Olympics in Beijing, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I think it was a twelve twelve thirty kickoff. The wife was out, and everyone was out. Wandered over the pub. There's only me and Terry Herlock sitting there. We're just sitting reminiscing and talking about stories he saw some old players who were on the telly who were doing punditry stories and he was just waxing lyrical about a few different things and it was just really interesting and and that's where i came up with known as i said they're on good money in comparison to your bloke you know but they're not on the mega money that people are on 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 nowadays and mark the funniest story you've ever heard about arsenal football club what's the funniest one that would make us go you're joking 
<laughs> I've asked the wrong guy, haven't I? Trevor, yeah. I've asked well, the wrong guy. To be fair, to be fair, I, I like the parlour story, which I can't remember it, though. The one in his book about having four or five pints. Um, obviously, it's made up. Him having four or five pints before his debut, not thinking he was going to get on at Anfield. And then they said, oh, you, you, you're lining up. And they said, oh, let him finish his pint before he goes on type thing. Um, that I mean, obviously, I'm not particularly well, um, but it, it when you read it, it's a great story. Andy, do you, do you have a, a story that you can tell us whether it's like funny, shocking, unbelievable? <laughs> uh, not off the top of my head, I must admit. Um, actually, no, minutes, shocking. Though, sorry, Andy, shocking, yeah, yeah. When we were doing stuff about pre first world war stuff, we found some chap that committed suicide. Um, by jumping in front of a train. Oh, um, wow. You know, things like... I mean, he, I, I'm pretty certain from his post-Arsenal things, he was an alcoholic. Um, but it was pretty obvious from reading all the reports that he committed suicide. So that's pretty shocking, really. When you read... Well, the, he, and there's quite a, a player, few stuff. There's quite a lot of stuff. Was he a player there. or a fan? Or yeah, what a was player. yeah, a player. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I mean, it goes back to the fact that they weren't paid any more money. Well, they were paid probably... A little bit more than the blokes in the armaments and you know mm. and, and skilled workers um but he obviously drank it all the way and then and then sadly um did that um but there's, there's yeah i mean there's there's quite a few shocking stuff yeah and there's quite a few of that there's quite a few of them uh, sort yeah, of like quite a lot. around about that time mm. because they, they they were paid yeah they were on two pound a week i know it's good it's fairly good money but a lot of them players were living in, you know, they were balding in someone's house. They were, yeah. you know, they were in a spare room. They couldn't even afford their own house when they came down and played for Arsenal. Yeah. Trev, um, but Trev, you know, you want to be asked these questions. Have you got any funny stories? Most of them probably happened in the Woodbine last season, but like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, um, the one that always makes me laugh is a game I was at, and, and I can't remember whose testimonial it was, but before the game kicked off, Ian Wright threw all the, the playing shirts out of the window. <laughs> to the point. So the game was delayed in for kick, uh, kickoff. The, the game was delayed while they shot down the Arsenal shop and found another set of shirts in the Arsenal shop because Wright had lobbed them all out the window. Um, but the, the, the other thing, and, and I, I can only remember bits of this story, but I'm pretty sure it was... Ray Parler that told the story. The boys might be able to put me right here. But towards the end of his career, Arsenal were going to win the league and Keown, Martin Keown was on the bench and he needed one more appearance to get a, a, a league winner's medal. And Arsene had said to him, Martin, don't worry, Martin, don't worry. I will bring you on. You, I will bring you on. And anyway, there's about five minutes to go and uh, Martin Keown's panicking, pacing up down the touchline. Uh, Wenger's only got one sub left. And uh, I, I think it was Parler. Parler started stripping off. And Keon came <laughs> running up to him and said, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, and Parler said, oh, the, re- the boss had just told me to get stripped off. I'm going on. And Martin Keon went into a blind panic bowl of cats. And then I think it was Parler said to him, not really. Pulled his kit back on and then <laughs> and got his winner's medal. But you can imagine that happening, can't you? You know, you can imagine it happening. I'm sure it was Ray Parler told that story, but I couldn't be certain. Trev, go go on the next question then. You, you since you're you're in full flow, oh, you've lost me now. Um, right, jo- oh, jo- if if you could, boys, 
you know all about games, right? So if you could go to any match, any match that you've looked at statistically from pictures, if you or even been to, if you could any match, what 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 match would you go back and like to see again? Mark, Mark. Um, to be on the ferry in eighteen eighty six to in, on the Millwall to watch that game. Okay. Yeah. Damn, I wanted to say if that. We did, I know. <laughs> <'Cause> if, we <laughs> did, if we did, then we'd actually know what the lineup was properly, rather than mm. what we assume and think it was. Because mm. I, I think that I think that the secretary played in goal, rather than we know. Well, we know Beard didn't play in goal that game, but I think the secretary Elijah Watkin played in goal that game. But we don't know, so and we're never going to know. Andy, that that, uh, that that would be the one. Andy, pick another one or expand even. Well, yeah, I mean, I I would love to have gone to see that the very first game stood on the side sidelines of their probably all the players would be looking at us going, "Who's bloody hell's these people come to watch us play? (laughs) (laughs) Who knew who knew that we were playing here?" But um, no, I'd probably like to go and see um, one of the games in the nineteen thirties where Alex James. And Cliff Bastin were on top form. So it's 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 sort of like no game in particular, but any one of them where they, they were running riot. I mean we we scored a lot of goals some of them seasons. I think there was one or two games where we scored eight goals and we beat uh, Darwin in the FA Cup eleven nil or eleven one. So something like that to see them them guys on top form. Actually another one would be um I think it's thirty I think it's thirty five. Um then Sunderland, when it was nil-nil, it was nil-nil, but it was the highest hybrid crowd. To be in that crowd, 73, was it 73, was it Andy, 73? 73? Mm-hmm. I can't remember now. Um, to be in that crowd would be incredible, just to, just to witness the two best I teams. Actually, I, I actually met someone who was at that game. Oh, really? And he was at, and he was at the Leeds game in 65-66, when there were only 4,500 uh, oh. people there. <laughs> actually, that's number one to, to go and see as well, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> if if I was to relive a game, it would probably be a bit more modern because, uh, again, my late coming to to Arsenal, uh, how everybody talks about, and especially after last season, doing so many away games, I would have just absolutely made me go cold at the thought of it. Absolutely loved to being at Anfield in '89. Trev, could you imagine me? I I don't. I think I'd still be drunk today. Don't you? Yeah, you would be unbearable, mate. I reckon. But do you know what? I've got. <laughs> Uh, you're unbearable when you're sober, so Jesus. Man. <laughs> when, you know, it's funny you should say that because I've got that game. I, I've made a little list. Firstly, I'd firstly I'd go back to '79 Cup final and not go into assault when Man United scored the equaliser and actually <laughs> score our bloody winner. <laughs> I'd have tried much harder to get a ticket in '89. I didn't try that hard to get a ticket in '89 because I didn't think we had a hope in hell, and I'm embarrassed to say that. I'm not going to lie about it. And then, do you know what else I'd like to do, Ferg? I'd like to get a lot of these, a lot of these lads and people that go to the Emirates nowadays. They've never ever stood on a terrace, and I'd like to get a load of them in a packed North Bank when the Arsenal scored a goal and watch their faces when they just completely lost mm. control, got moved left, right, and centre, yeah. lifted up in the air, squeezed all the wind out of them. I just that's something that fans, young fans nowadays 
have never and thankfully probably will never experience. But I'd love to see their faces when the, when the goal went in on that well, terrace. The, the, the only place I've ever experienced that was at Sloan Town back in Ireland and there was a cow shed with a bit of a terrace and there wasn't that much of a sway or a crush. But I look back at some of those pictures <laughs> uh, and, and you look at like... Um, uh, the, the FA Cup final played it in lockdown, um, and you see the sway in in in, in some of the the, the the stands. As I said, uh, Kevin puts up the 1971 uh, White Hart Lane when we won the league there, and mm. he's talking about he couldn't see Suddall because he's only 11 years of age. Another really good point that we're talking about from um, about wages, uh, Gavin from She War has uh, mentioned. Oh, let me pop this one up. Sorry, oh, folks. Sorry, son. Go on. Yeah. Um, players used to get half wages in the summer. His granddad uh, used to get Vic Gro uh, Groves a job uh, helping lay, uh, laying carpets. Um, mm. So yeah, it just it just proves that you know it wasn't all milk and honey uh, uh, back then. Um, absolutely. Well, I mean, asked, I'll, I'll ask the player Tommy Lawton. Um, I think he became destitute. Um, mm. he, he ran a pub and everything. But he was he was in England international. Played for Everton. Played for Arsenal. Play for lots of big clubs. Um, the money just wasn't there. I mean, I don't know whether whether he didn't use his money properly or whatever, mate. He probably did, or whatever he got. But it, yeah, it's, I, I think, it's I one think... of those things where you where it, it, it's it's so different now. It's just it's just a different. Absolutely, it, it's just you know you could you can't just you couldn't describe it. I would have thought to a player in the nineteen fifties what the money they get now. Well, Mark, I, I first came to London in 88 and not far from where we had a pub in, in the West End down near Marble Arch, um, uh, uh, George Best had a, a couple of pubs. And OK, mm. George had, had his demons and issues and everything else. But, you know, that's how he made his living. He had to graft still for his living after football was finished. Oh, yeah. He had to run a few pubs. Yeah. And, and, you know, mm. nowadays these players finished and, they're you know, at 35, they can, if sensible, they can retire for life and the, the, uh, and the fan families are, are are wealthy forever. Unfortunately, they reckon 35% of players go bankrupt before they're 40 uh, because they're badly managed and people hanging around them. Listen, I'm conscious yeah. that we've got some questions in from some people in the in the chat. We've got some that some people put on Twitter. But I've got a few books I want to go through. But before I do that, um, there was there was one question and a debate that came up um, before, like, you talk about the Royal Arsenal, Mark, and then there's the Herbert Chapman. Uh, we were the Arsenal when we moved across the water. And then Her Herbert Chapman uh, uh, allegedly dropped the 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 to put us a at the top. And Andy, I can see you jumping at the bit. Come on, talk to me. We're, we're, oh. we're still at Company's house. At Company's house, it still says the Arsenal Football Club. And this is, yeah. this is as, uh, as, you know, a creation in, in 20, uh, 20th of May 2021 is that one. So that's still modern. That's actually changed recently because it said on there, pub, it says public limited company, but now it's just the Arsenal Football Club Limited. Okay. It's no, no, longer, no longer a public company. Um, yeah, so there's the name registered with Companies House, the limited company name, and it's always had the at the beginning. Because on the form that they filled in, it always had the anyway. So when they became the first time they incorporated themselves as a as a company, they were um, the Woolwich Arsenal Football and Athletic Athletic Company Limited. So and every every company had the at the beginning of it. At some point, whoever was what the equivalent of company's house was, they they took away that word the off of their form. So you can, if you try to open up a limited company now, it hasn't got the word the on it. 
but Arsenal have always retained it. So, you know, from when they reincorporated in 1910. So there's that name, but there's also the name that they like to be known, they want to be known as, as um, within whoever, whatever league they're playing in. So in up, up until, um, sorry, in... 1915, they changed their name from Woolwich Arsenal Football Club to the Arsenal Football Club, which is how they were known as within in the league or to the league, the Football League. And then in 1919, they dropped the word the, and we got two programs. Unfortunately, we haven't got the one in the middle, so we got two programs. Um, in there were league games. Uh, one that shows it on the masthead, the Arsenal Football Club. And then the next one just says just says Arsenal Football Club. So that the the was officially dropped by the club in 1919. And it wasn't Herbert Chapman that did it. But with Companies House, it's always been the at the beginning. Um so Mark, talking about books, um what uh what what, what would be obviously you've published between the two of you, you've published five or six books along with Tim and Tony and, and all the other guys who you've worked really hard uh, to publish books with, what would you say is your favourite two or three books that you um, that, that you would say other than your ones that you like? Um, probably, well, you can't say your own, can you? Um, Stossel's book about 1971, the fake up. No, not that one. Um, David Tossel's book, I um, can't remember what it's called, but it's about... 71 guns. It's just such a good... It, it, he's... It, it's so. It, it he, he interviews all the players and he gives you different. Um, it, 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 it encapsulates anything you can want about a book about a football club. Is that book? It's just it's just brilliant. And it, if you don't read a lot, Fergus, make sure you read that because it is. It brings it all together. It shows you why um, Peter Simpson was called Stan. It's got loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of different things in there that you wouldn't have known about unless he'd spoken to the players and just brought it all out onto onto the onto the page. It is it is so good. It's it's you know it's it's it's, it's brilliant. Mark, if you were to pick, if you were to book, one second, Trev. Mark, if you were to pick a book, what would be uh, your um, top go-to book that you'd like to look at? You mean Andy? Sorry, Andy. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, for me, it'd be. I mean, seventy-one guns. I would agree is a fantastic book. It's really easy to read, um, and it's one of them you can't put down. For me, I think it's Todd Whitaker's Arsenal story. So uh, it, it was actually published shortly after his death. But Whitaker joined Arsenal in nineteen nineteen as a player. Um, he had to retire from playing in nineteen twenty-five. He became the reserve team trainer, as they were then, which is equivalent to a physiotherapist today, and then was became first team physio in 1927. And he became Herbert Chapman's right-hand man throughout the, uh, the early 1930s. And also, when, when George Allison took over running the team, or as manager, Allison was effectively running the team, became um, assistant manager just after the war, and then in 1947, he took over as manager. And so it covers his whole his whole life because he died shortly after the book or shortly before the book was actually published. Um, 
but it, it, it takes you from when Arsenal were a struggling team, struggling in the first division, all the way up, all the way through their, their glory years of the 30s and when he took over and what it was like to run a club. And again, it's a really easy book to read, but it, it, it just tells you everything there was about the club and running the club uh, and you know what happened at the club and the, the buying of the big name players. Um, and and it's, you know, it covers quite a, a long period that he was there. So he was there for almost 40 years. Um, and, and I can remember reading it the first time and I just turning the pages and there was always something, oh, wow, now he's talking about Alex Jamin. Now he's talking about Ted Drake. And now he's talking about his time during the war, you know, and, and, and then taking over at Arsenal. And they, they, they went 17 games unbeaten from the start of the season in 47, 48, first season in charge and went on to win the league quite easily. Um, and then the trials and tribulations he had as a manager dealing with players as well. And any, any, there was no hold barred. It was, he talked about everything. And um, yes, I, I would highly recommend that. And you can read a cop. You can read that on our website. So on our website, we've got loads of books. You can read; they're the complete books. You can read them free of charge. Oh wow! Okay, uh, Trevor, um, you're you're very much a reader. Um, anything to add on books and what ones you like? Do you know what I? I am very much a reader of, of Arsenal books, Fergus, and I have many. Thankfully, I enjoy them all. But I'm I prefer the biographies. I like the biographies and. Uh, my favourite is, is Bob Walsh. Bob Walsh's uh, biography. He was the secretary of the Arsenal Football Club for many, many years, um, from the heart. And and it was written just before the the 1970-71 team won trophies. So you have to take your, as you read it. I had to take myself back to that time and think about why he was writing it. And if you read it and look at it from that perspective. It, it was a brilliant read. Some of the stuff that he thought of was like off the... Some of the things he said and he thought that would happen in the future have never happened. But a lot of it that he mentioned, that he talks about, actually has come to fruition. It's actually happened, you know. I, I can't be specific because I can't bloody remember. But I can remember reading it and thinking, oh, my God, how did he think of that in, in the late 60s, early 70s, you know? So I, I very much enjoyed Bob Wall's book. 71 Guns is a fantastic read, Fergus. Um, if you get a chance, I've got a copy of it, Fergus, but I'm not lending it to you. So find your own. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, so I like the Arsenal biographies. I've, I've got many of them, but Bob Walls has been my favourite so far amongst others. Whitaker's is brilliant. Um, yeah, Allison's is good. Um, yeah, there's many good biographies, but Bob Wall was the best for me. Just. If you were to pick one more book, and this here's on the website as well, just if you go to the arsenalcollection.org.org.uk, uh, .org you can see all these books that are on here. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. And as you say, you just click on continue reading, and and, and those books are there for you to read. So you know, if you click on the guy's website, and and away you go. Um, Mark, if you were to pick one more book, uh, what would you say is your next favourite book, and why? The Arsenal shirt. The Arsenal shirts, mm, because it's just, it just it does it does exactly what it says it does do. It's it's a massive coffee table book about the I Arsenal bought, shirts. I bought it on the back of you guys. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. It's uh, got it's lots of pictures, so it's really good for me. Really good for no, me. It's, 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 it's just fantastic. It's got all the shirts. You think right? That's when I started sporting them. 
and going through it. And it's 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 just it's just, it's just brilliant. You know, there's so much history there, and they go into the intricacies of you know who made it, etc. It's probably a bit much for the average person just reading it. Um, if you're not about shirt, but it just goes into it, and it's just it's just brilliant. It's just so so good. You know, and in your last your last book you'll go with and don't use Trevor's Bible because I know he'll he'll want to talk wax lyrical about that. I, I was gonna say the Arsenal shirt as well, but Mark beat me to it. But I will go for Sorry. Uh, <laughs> a book written by two people two Arsenal fans called Scott Grant and Colin White. It's just called Arsenal. It's a complete record, history and full record up until nineteen eighty eight. No, not that one. Fred Ollier's one is good, but the one by it is that's the one. Um so this has got a lot more text to it than Fred Ollier's book. Fred Ollier's book is fantastic. You know, he's like, my God. But uh, this one was written, and these two people, no one had ever heard of them before, but the amount of info, amount of, um, the, the amount of research they'd done to put this book together back in 1988 was absolutely incredible. Mm. And... I, I know loads of people that are collectors and Arsenal historians. No one knows these two people. They came and they disappeared within a year. But the the historical text to it is pretty much faultless. You know? So if you follow me on, um, on Twitter, almost every day I'll pick an argument with someone saying what you've written there is absolute rubbish and here's why. Because so many Arsenal history books have been written and they haven't done their research properly. All they've done is copied someone else. But these two guys, Scott Grant and Colin White, can't find a fault with it, you know. But it's just been lost in history. It's a really difficult book to get hold of. You're probably looking to pay 100 quid for a copy of this book now. Uh, oh, wow. Because there, so oh, wow. there were so few copies made. And, and I didn't buy it originally in 1988 because I looked at it and it had been printed like, like on a dot matrix printer. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it doesn't look good, but if you start reading it, the content of it is absolutely fantastic, right back to the very beginnings of the club. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I just can't say highly enough of what they did because, as, as some as a historian, the research they put into it was absolutely fantastic, and like I say, it's faultless. The only thing they did, the only thing I will pick up on was it finishes at the end of 87 88 and they they had a bit of bed they did a biography of all the managers and um they said it you know about george graham basically this is a make or break season for george graham can he do it we're not 100 certain and then the following season we went on to win the league Brilliant. There was a couple of other books we touched upon by mistake. Uh, the uh, Arsenal, a complete record by uh, Fred uh, Holly, and also yeah. uh, behind the scenes um, in big football uh, by Leslie Knighton. Um, we're not going to cover those, but Trevor, um, do I need to ask what your favourite book is? Well, apart from these boys, I, I just it's just got me thinking. I read a book not too long ago, probably last year, right, um, about an Arsenal player. And it's called Stuck in a Moment, right? And it's the ballad of, of Paul Vasson. And a lot of the younger fans nowadays will say, Paul Vasson? Who's Paul Vasson, you know? But Paul Vasson scored one of the most important goals in the history of Arsenal Football Club. He, he scored a, a, in a 1-0 win away at Juventus in the semi... These boys are going to pull me up. 
The semi-final of the Cup Winners' Cup in 1980, I think. We're drawn at home to Juventus and they were massive favourites to beat us. No English team had ever won in 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 Torino, in, in Turin at Juventus. And we went over there and Paul Vassen came on as a substitute as an 18-year-old and scored the winner. Um, one of the most important goals in our history, as I say. Unfortunately, we lost the final on penalties. But the reason that the re- it, it sort of cut me to shreds, it lifts you and then it and then it drops you because Paul Vassen was un- unfortunately. It suffered injury after injury, and not long after he um he had to retire from the game, and and he couldn't handle it, couldn't take it, and he ended up passing away of a drugs overdose, um, living on his own in a flat. I think it was in Bristol, and mm. it was one of the most harrowing stories of an Arsenal football player. But it was a book I couldn't put down because I was just reading about this person, and it could be any of us, you know. So much success as a young man taken away from him, and he couldn't handle it. So. If anyone wants to read a really interesting book, I would recommend um, it's it's uh, stuck in a moment. The Ballad of Paul Vassen, a brilliant, brilliant bit of writing for me. Okay, so obviously uh, we're longer than our normal. Well, this is a summer special, so it's got, it is going to be a little bit longer. So we'll go for about ten or fifteen minutes more, if that's okay with you guys. I've got two or three questions, and um, one we've type of covered already, which is uh, by Steve F. Can you rank the top three managers? Ever and where does Bertie Me stand? I'll, I'll go to you, uh, uh, Mark, first, and then over to Andy. Well, we've covered, haven't we? Chapman, Graham, Wenger. Okay, know. and where does Bertie Me stand in that then? Next, next, I suppose. See, now I, I, I don't think, I, yeah, I don't think great Bertie Me was. I think Tom Whitaker was probably better than Bertie Mee. Oh, okay. And well, the thing with Bertie Mee well, is he relied on John Howe. Mm. Well, no, because Alison relied on Whitaker as well. Yeah, Whereas true. Don, yeah. yeah, Bertie Mee, if it wasn't for Don Howe, I don't think we would have won the double. It was Don. If you listen, if you listen to the players, the former players talk about Don Howe and then you read their autobiographies. Uh, he, he was the man that, that really got him going. Mm. What Bertie Mee was, he was a good manager of of uh, Don Howe. It's probably the best way to put it. And he, he got Don, Don Howe to, to do all of the the tactical work. Yeah. But, yeah, but it's quite similar in a way to um, Mercer and Allison, isn't it? Um, at Man City, in that um, Allison didn't mm, really make yeah. him as a manager, but he was a brilliant coach. And the same with Don Howe, he was a brilliant coach. Yeah. And and me was the manager, so it was all on me yeah. effectively. I know I know Don Howe was 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 the brains behind the whole thing, yeah. um, but if he had been the manager, that wouldn't have happened. The fact that me was the manager, it did happen. Yeah, it's what I'm saying it's, it, it's it's like a mm-hmm. it's like a relationship because I read again another Tusser book about Malcolm Allison, which is which is a really good book, and it's it's quite a similar thing. Because just before that, Allison had, had coached Man City, um, and then he and then with with Mercer as the manager, but they 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 gelled really well. But on their own, it wouldn't have happened. And I think it's the same with seventy one. You know, if how how wasn't there, there's no way we'd have been anywhere near it. Um, but if me wasn't there, how most mm-hmm. likely wouldn't have got us to that stage. So, you know, it's it's a relationship, isn't it? Um. Yeah, 
Yeah, Trev, did you want to add in, in, on there? Where, where would you put me in, in relation then to and your top three managers? Well, I agree completely with the lads. Don Howe was, was an amazing football coach, not just of the Arsenal football team, but of the England football team as well. Mm-hmm. He was England yeah. coach for, for, for a good while. Um, Bertie me, obviously, they worked together as a team, as the lads said. But I, I just I just struggle thinking that Bertie Mee broke that 71 winning team up too soon. I think he sold players who were still at the top of their form. McClintock, uh, George, to name but a couple. Um, and so, although I, I, I thank Bertie Mee from the bottom of my heart for giving me my first memory of Arsenal winning a trophy and a fantastic mm-hmm. memory that I'll treasure forever, I just struggle thinking that did he break that team up too soon? But having said that, would Don Howard have had a say in the breaking up of that team as well? So you, there's angles to look at it. But yeah, but me fourth on the list for me as well. Same as the boys. No, because Howard left by then, hadn't he? Had he? Yeah. He got the ump and left straight after the d- double, didn't he? Where did he go? Yeah. West Brom. West Brom. West Brom, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Point taken. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So me's broke that side up. And then when he come back, Terry Neal started winning. Well, Terry Neal won something and we become our decent cup team, didn't we? Under Don yeah. Well, under Terry Neal, but we've done now. Yeah. So you, you all agree that Herbert Chapman was a pretty damn good manager uh, and is up there probably uh, as the best manager in, in your eyes. Um, how good was uh, um, the Herbert Chapman team? In the ability of their, uh, like the, the t- in ability, goals, and, and the records. That's from Mohamed Patel. Andy? Well, it's, it's, you, you can't really fault him. Uh, he, he, when he joined in 1925, he said, I need five years to sort this team out. And in his fifth season, Arsenal won their first ever trophy. Okay, it wasn't the greatest league, uh, greatest league season. But he'd taken them five years to build up the team. And 1930, during the summer of 1930, Arsenal didn't buy anyone. So he, he decided at that point he's got his team. And then the following season, 30-31, they won the league by a canter. They only lost four games. And and he he set his team up in a certain way and he knew that he could bring, you know, if there were injuries, he could bring he had the right players in the reserves to come in. And, you know, he, like I say, if you, if you were to take out a subscription with the British Newspaper Archive for a couple of weeks, take out a free trial with it and read the match reports, um, you know, it's nothing but superlatives for that team. They were all out attacking uh, and they knew how to defend as well. And, and, and that they just, and as I said before, he didn't necessarily have to buy loads and loads of star players. All he did was he picked the right players that he could mould, like you know, as, as I said, George Graham did. But that, they, they were the best team in the 1930s. And and again, as we said before, Graham, uh, sorry, Chapman set the team up, and he set it the, the backroom staff up as well, in such a way that they could just carry on after his death. But you know, that, they were great. You read the newspaper reports, and it's nothing but you know, fantastic praise for Arsenal. It's, and as much as people like to say, oh, you know, the, everyone started hating Arsenal in the 1930s because they kept winning things, they didn't. You read the newspaper reports and, and they, they absolutely loved the Arsenal team for the way that they played. And, and Alex James was that, that linchpin 
you know, and Bastin was the was the one who it's probably Bastin that scored uh, supplied more goals than uh, than James did because of the way that the team played. But they, they were they were they were brilliant, and they were talked of as being the best team by a long way. Mark, um, a manager that is held in equally high esteem as, as Chapman was Wenger. And James Power asked a question, which I thought was quite appropriate for you, considering the way that you started uh, when we were talking about Wenger earlier, saying he maybe a peak too soon and that you weren't as big of a fan of him towards the end. Um, so James asked the question, um, if Wenger was given the money that uh, Arteta has been given, um, had um, he had won many more trophies, if how many more trophies would he have won? I think is what he's trying to say. If he was instructed to spend and not be the bank manager that he was, that people believe he was in the end. So, what's your thoughts on that one, then, Mark? Well, I believe that Arsenal massively underperformed under Wenger. In bearing in mind the team that he assembled was quite astonishing, if you think of the players and everything, and. The fact that we could only do a few FA Cups along the way uh, between a certain time, we didn't win anything for three years, which obviously was down to Ferguson being the brilliant manager as well. Um, I don't think the money's got anything to do with it, to be honest. Wenger got and assembled a brilliant team, but they didn't win the trophies that they should have done. And that's that's a big gripe, I think, with, with Wenger. But, Trev, what, what, what... Go on, sorry, Mark, finish, sorry. No, no, I'm saying, but, but obviously... The fact that he then he then went through unbeaten the season, you know, raises raises that quite a bit. But you know, if you look, if you break it down, he won a double. He won a double. That's four trophies. They then won a few FA Cups, and then they won the league again. And then he had a uh, you know the longest ever period of an Arsenal manager not winning a thing. So, uh, so are you saying without the invincible? Without the Invincibles, that Wenger wouldn't have been deemed as successful and as uh, as in high esteem that he is among the Arsenal faithful. No, not myself faithful. I mean, from a historical perspective. Okay. With, with, without that, his record wasn't really that wasn't really that good, to be honest. I get, I get your point. What's your, what's your thought, Ref? Well, Wenger, Wenger. Now that Wenger is is history and and quite long gone in the past now, comparatively speaking. For me, Wenger had two definitive periods. He came in and he took George Graham's team that was left to him and he, he developed it and he tweaked it and he added a bit to it. And he got them fitter, I believe, and it showed. And we won lots of things, right? And then after two after the Champions League final, we go downhill, don't we, you know? And and we've now, boys will put me right, but I think this current period we're in is the longest we've ever gone without winning the league title since we first won it. You know, this is how exceptional it is now. We've never gone this long without winning. We won it in 2004. It's now coming up to 20 years and we've never gone that long without winning it since we first won it. And for me, as, as no, much as... Right, yeah. You what? You are right. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm honest. <laughs> But Bless you. As, as much as I love Wenger and I love what he did, I think the cause of us not winning too much recently is because of what he left us. It, 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 mm -hmm. You can't argue the fact that he left us in a mess. Our, our greatest manager, I'll accept that argument happily. And, and I won't argue against it because he's done things that we could only dream of seeing as fans. 
But what he actually left us with when he went wasn't good. We were in absolute turmoil, absolute turmoil. I have the yeah. greatest sympathy for, for Unai Emery because I think he had absolutely no chance. How he cajoled that team to, to, to a UEFA, uh, Europa League final, I will never know. Um, they let him down in that. And then, of course, Arteta's had to come in and pick up the pieces. And for a young man, I think he's done amazingly, Mikel Arteta, in picking up from where, taking Emery out of it, picking up from where Arsene Wenger left us. Because to reiterate, I must reiterate, I don't want to get my head bitten off. Arsene Wenger is, is amazing, was an amazing manager. Done things for our football club you could only ever imagine. Fantastic. But what he left us with at the end of his, his legacy, if you want, that he left us with, we were in trouble. And it's taken a long, long time to put that right. Last season was the first time we've seen it. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I have mixed emotions about Arsene Wenger. Mm. Um, to, to be honest, it, it, it's a tad of a shame that um, it's not tarnished, but it's just it's left that sort of toxicity that was around towards the end of his um, his reign. It was a little bit sad that that happened, but uh, he's he's done some some great things. Um, Danny from uh, the uh, Burkham Wonderland podcast says Wenger was runners up in the Premier League, the FA Cup, League Cup, Charity Shield, the UEFA Champions League. The Emirates Cup, and that's a lot of failure. The Emirates Cup. We failed to win our own trophy at times. Can I just say something about it as well? Um, you know, for those of us that remember George Graham, you know, we'll, we'll, we will say that George Graham was absolutely fantastic for what he did when he came into Arsenal. But his last season there, mm. he'd been there too long, hadn't he? Yeah, absolutely. no. It was like he'd lost the the the, the, um, the he'd lost the dressing room and he'd lost the the ability to carry on. And I think that he was ready to go anyway. If he hadn't, if he hadn't, you know, been fallen foul of uh, what he did fall foul of, uh, I think he would have he would have left at the end of that season anyway. And I, the same is with Wenger. He went on a few seasons too long, mm -hmm. and I think even if we'd given him. If, you know, if the club had given him the money that they've given to Arteta, it it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked. It still wouldn't have worked. He would have spent no. the money, and it, and it wouldn't have been the right players, and it wouldn't have been the right players for the team. I, you know, I do remember the team. I do remember the experiment of who tried to convert us into almost Spain, all the small players, lower centre of gravity, and everything else. Look, lighthearted mm -hmm. uh, end to this because um, we had a question put in on Twitter. Um, we were going to talk about the fire in um, the Manogram, but I'm, what I can't. fire? What yeah, exactly. fire? <laughs> I know you mentioned that fire. Suffragettes. Suffragettes fire. There's a question. I've typed it so we can put it up on the screen, but it's from Henty, who's in Finland. He's, uh, it's a bit late for him to be watching this. But a, a question for both you gents. Uh, just a, a quick sort of synopsis. The most uh, recent eye-opening finding that you will find, like a really blimey, uh, this, uh, th th we did this. So, um, yeah, Mark? This, yeah. Mark? Yeah. Uh, any core blimey, you wouldn't believe this sort of story that you know? No, core blimey, I wouldn't believe it, but... Um... There was one manager uh, who the club didn't actually have a photo of, and myself and Andy found found it, and we got it published in the programme. And which um, manager was that? Elcott, George Elcott, second manager. William Elcott. Sorry, William Elcott. Sorry. 
It should be George Alcott, but it was William Alcott. I'm clipping that piece. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was was Alcott or Alcott, whatever it was. Yeah, so we basically, uh, he went to Brighton after Arsenal, um, which we didn't know. We had no idea. Um, And we were were contacted by someone, Brighton. Brighton supporters, um, you know, history society, and he said, "Are you interested in this? This is this is him," and we said, "Magic." So we he, he sent this over, and we put it published in, in the um in the program with the right name, <laughs> the right name. <laughs> and, and, Andy, have you got something probably more factually correct than um, <laughs> than Mark? <laughs> I'd just like to say that that Henty, the guy that put that uh, question in, he's been really. If you don't follow him on Twitter, he's well worth a follow. He's yeah, he's Finland, but he's been really, really helpful over the last year or so. Yeah, and he's put together some lists on our on our um, website of um, all the order in which players have scored goals, uh, hat trick players that have scored hat tricks for the club, and he, he's got another one that we're going to put on there um, about the youngest players. And I did have something else that I wanted to say that we found recently, and I can't remember it. I, while Mike was talking, I was thinking, oh, yeah, I'll bring that one up, and I've bloody forgotten it. So was, it about the, was it about the fire in October? <laughs> <laughs> but, but listen, we, we, just so people know, we, we, there's been an ongoing uh, uh, debate, let's say, it, uh, going on, on on Twitter, and uh, Mark and Trevor have both been blocked by this individual. This individual is a nuts, <laughs> uh, a, a nuts forest fan, and he's oh, honestly some of his information is unre- unreal. He's using some clickbait sort of website to substantiate his argument against two historians that have written five, six books between them. So I think. Before he even started, he lost that battle. And it was all about um, why Arsenal moved north of the river. And he was trying to say, or insinuate maybe, that um, we were skint. We burnt down our own stadium, which is absolutely far from it. And if you go back and look at our Arsenal um, history podcasts, I think you'd probably have to look at the what the second in the series, which is when we moved to Highbury. Uh, we were called a Bank of England at that point, weren't we, um, Andy? No, no, that, that was much later. That was in the 1930s. Yeah, much later. Okay, no, no, no. I nearly blocked that like, one well. Yeah. <laughs> Look, but that's another this, thing that is... This, um, this Twitter malarkey, well. right? This Twitter malarkey, Andy, you, you've got to keep it going because I oh. reckon about once a fortnight now, you'll see something pop up on Twitter. Someone's read something on Google or got it in their head. <laughs> we bribed our way into the league or we were the Bank of England club because everybody gave us money. And if you've not seen it, people, Andy tends to jump straight on them. And then you just get the popcorn out and watch it develop, you know. Yeah. And before you know it, I I normally chip in a bit because it annoys me as well. And and then other people join in and, and Mark will have a go. And then before you know it, this person has removed their tweets, disappeared off the face of the earth and blocked us all. And it's absolutely hilarious. Don't argue with these boys about the Arsenal. You've been given fair warning, anybody. Don't argue with these boys about the Arsenal because, as me and Fergus have found out too regularly, you come off second best. <laughs> Did he block um, you? It looks, like we, it looks like we've been promoted to the big telly in Gav's house. Uh, we're, we're on the big, uh, it looks like probably a 55 inch TV there. So, hello, mummy, yeah. I'm on telly. <laughs> 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 Guys, I'm um, watching it. 
<laughs> yeah, well, we kept it clean. We kept it clean. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's got daddy's merch on, so that's all right. He's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, thank you very, very, very much, as always. I thoroughly enjoyed doing the um, the series that we've done a couple of summers back. Um, I learned loads, as you know. Okay, I got some of the chrono- chronological order wrong, but I've, I've actually, some of it has stuck in there, and, and, and it really has been interesting. I've loved doing this. I know Trev, well, you, look, Trev, you, you wax lyrical. How much you've loved this? Oh, boys, it's been too long. It's, it's been too long since we last had a chat like this on this podcast. Um, and as soon as I found out we were up to do it about a month ago, we were planning doing it. I, I've just been honestly... And a 61-year-old bloke, and I've been like a four-year-old kid in a sweet shop. I've been so excited about doing it. Yeah, You, you make my night every time. You embarrass me a little bit with when you show me my lack of knowledge, but I could sit and listen to you and talk to your boys all night. So I know Fergus is going to finish off now, but Mark, Andy, genuinely from me, you're two cracking lads. We're going to have to get together soon and, and have a beer or something. Um, and, and just thanks again, mate. It's been a pleasure, boys. An absolute pleasure. Thank you. Well, you won't you won't re- you won't remember it very much, but we did bump into Mark in the Emirates, and he's much taller than uh, than uh, he looks on 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 a podcast. But you had uh, two and a half pints of shandy by that stage, so yeah. I remember seeing Mark. I remember seeing Mark. Yeah, it was around about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guys, yeah, I'm, um, I'm much taller than I look. I am. Yeah. Uh, give people a shout out where, well, I think they already know where to find you guys. Uh, Andy, just let people know how they can follow you and and uh, what's next coming from you guys. Okay, so the first thing I'd like to say is thanks to Trev for referring to us as boys, because I'm not too far behind you, but it's lovely to be referred to as a boy. You're welcome, sir. <laughs> but um, yeah, our, our, our website now is thearsenalcollection.org.uk and there's tons of Arsenal stuff on there constantly putting stuff on there and there's always new stuff going on there um and then and that's my sorry that's my twitter handle there you go got that so if you want to see me getting into loads and loads of arguments with chelsea and man city fans and and whoever um then feel free to follow me and if you want to see a sidekick um backing him up mark where are they going to find you Oh, he's a man of so many words, isn't he? Oh, <laughs> in, in, in actual fact, I think I'm only a year younger than Trevor. Oh, yeah. you, don't, you don't look 80. I'm 29. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it'd be rude for us not to just finish off a little bar off uh, this song. Oh.
by Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Uh, thank you, boys. Um, I could see Andy with his hands up in the air uh, <laughs> while that song was on. I love it. I, I've got a full three and a half minute one for our first uh, show that goes back, which was on on Threads. Actually, we put it up on Threads uh, the other day. Uh, boys, Ooh. thank you very much. Ooh. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much for, for joining joining us again um you know if people like what we do uh you know go on to subscribe us uh, on on youtube uh, and you can follow us on all the other social media uh, platforms guys thanks very much and good evening thanks for listening to guns and yellow ribbons an arsenal podcast by arsenal fans for arsenal fans Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons or Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too. Up the Arsenal.